surprise part two of single motherhood. And the reason I decided to do a part two is because I felt like after recording the first episode, I had a lot more to say. And no, the, a lot more is not, you know, more details on my relationship and why that affected my being a single mom, but more just on other things that I didn't touch on that I really do think affect single mothers, especially in my age range. Um, so I know I discussed a lot in the last part of this, but first thing I wanted to touch on was kind of how hard it is to maneuver a personal life and the kind of different levels of that, the different layers of that, because it's not so much just like, you know, having to find someone to babysit, like it goes a lot deeper than that when it comes to creating a life for yourself as a single mother without, you know, excessive help from a partner or the life that you have when you have a partner in being a parent. It's completely different. And so for me, finding the, the fine line, the stability of being a single mom, working full-time, two different jobs, and then having a friend group with a wide range of ages from, you know, 21-year-olds to um, 28, 29-year-olds and unfortunately being the only one with a small child, um, at least in Texas where I live. Um, I have friends other places that have kids, but I don't see them very often, so it's kind of irrelevant to the story, but in Texas, none of my friends None of my coworkers and none of my acquaintances have children. At least not small children. Now I have some coworkers that are my friends that are much older than I and their children are closer to my age. So again, a little different. Um, it's hard wanting to kind of stay true to myself and still go out, be social, do things, that doesn't mean party and rage, but, like, be able to go do stuff without having to sit down and think, who's going to watch my daughter, how long is this event or whatever going to take, am I going to have, like, the time, uh, whoever's watching her, are they going to be fine with that amount of time, I mean, kind of the list goes on and on of all the things you have to check off in your head before you can even agree to doing something with your friends. And I have friends who like to go out, and I have friends who like to do, you know, just go shopping and, um, you know, go have lunch. And I have to think, okay, well, what day is this? Am I going to have my daughter? Okay, if not, then, like, again, like I said, how long is this going to take? When do I have to go pick her up? What can I work around? And can I have a drink during this event? Or do I need to stay sober because I have to go back and get her? Is she going to stay the night with my parents? I mean... All these things that kind of trickle in, and it makes it really difficult. And it, it, 
kind of gets brushed off by people as in like, oh, you just want to go out and party. Like, that's, you would rather just like go have fun and go rage and go do that. And it's like, no, it's not that I would rather do that and like be able to give, you know, my kid to whomever and just like do whatever I want. No, it's not that. It's, it's nice to have a piece of myself still without losing my identity and being able to like go and be social. You need a different social battery as a mom. You have your mom social battery, like, you know, the the toleration of playing with your child all day and then you kind of get burnt out a little bit. But then you also have your regular social battery. And when you become a mom, that battery is ready and charged and good to go all the time because you almost crave it more than you did prior to becoming a mom. But planning those things is really hard. And aside from just planning them and being able to think all these things out and having to go through this checklist, there's also the issue that I've noticed a lot and I've also personally experienced of people being weird about hanging out with you or inviting you somewhere or having you be invited somewhere that they're going to be because you're now a mom. It's almost like people think or feel like you're a different person because you've now entered this status of motherhood. And so, you know, it's like, oh, well, if we like go out till whatever, whatever time, like she's not going to want to go, like let's not even invite her. And I haven't really had that experience happen so much as this other one, which is I meet somebody and this happened to me fairly recently at my second job, where you, you start to feel like you're going to click. A friendship is forming. You're like, oh, I vibe with this person's energy. And then I make a statement of how I'm a mom. And immediately the vibe is like gone or changed. And you just become friends at work because that person has just decided. Sorry, I got to tickle my throat that person has decided that you're no longer fun because you're a mom and they don't want to have to alter their lifestyle. (coughs) Oh my God. To fit yours. And that, that may be me assuming and then jumping into assumptions, but to me, that's how it feels. That's how that situation felt is I said I was a mom and then I had mentioned going out and then it was just like weird. We're still good at work, but it's just that it's just work because me being a mom is no longer like the fun, the cool, the like down to clown energy, which is true in some aspects, you know, I'm not a rager anymore, hence the entirety of this podcast, why my life has completely changed, I just, I'm, that's just not me, I mean, when I visited Nashville the other weekend, I was up until like 5 a.m. one night, and I was dead, I was physically unwell, my friend was like, never again, like, I can't do that anymore even though I was doing it two years ago, but I can't do it anymore. So, you know, that part of it is true, but it's like I would still like the opportunity 
to get to know you as a person and become your friend and have that possibility of a friendship. Even though I am a mom and it may restrict me from doing some things that you might want to do, that's fine. But don't just completely shut down the opportunity of friendship because of that. And I do feel like that happens a lot to young moms where we're almost judged by our peers not in the sense of being a mom, like we're not judged because we're moms, but we're judged because we're moms. Like, it's just not the same. And, you know, I've, I've slightly experienced that and I feel like I see other young moms experiencing that because we're in this age range of, you know, like teen mom to 30 where it's, you know, you're young, you're in your teens, you're in your 20s, you're trying to, like, turn up, party, thrive, woohoo, whatever the fuck, and if you have this other responsibility, this human responsibility, then you can't do it at the extent of everyone else in your peer group, and I wish that more people would just be accepting of that rather than kind of brush it off to the side and brush us to the side because, you know, our schedules have to be a little different. Our priorities are a little different. Um, another thing with that is it's in, it's so important to find people who are willing to alter their lifestyle when you are involved to fit that, to fit your, your children, your child, to fit you and your time constituents and, you know, all this stuff. It's so important to find people like that. And I am very grateful on that end as to where most of my friends here, even though they don't have children, they will come to my house to hang out with me because I, I can't have someone watch my daughter. Um, or I say, you know, I'm going to have my daughter. So, you know, just want to let you know, and they're like, okay, well then, like, let's do this, you know, our plan was to go out to eat, but why don't we eat here, because we're gonna have her, and, like, people who can just accept that, and take you in, and still, like, love and care for you, like, that is so, so important, and you have to cherish those people, and I feel like I don't tell my friends enough, so I hope they're listening, that I do appreciate when, they are accommodating of me and my daughter, and they don't make it seem like it's a hassle. Even though I'm still probably going to say some stupid shit like, oh, I have my daughter with me, I'm sorry, I don't need to apologize for that, but I have PTSD and I'm traumatized, so I feel like I have to apologize or you're just not going to love and accept me, but I'm glad you do love and accept me. <laughs> so, thank you, friends. Um, but... It's just, it is really hard. There's so many things that is hard about being a single mom, hence why I wanted to do this part two. Another thing that I wanted to talk about that I feel like I didn't talk about last time was trying not to be emotional or think emotionally about what I'm about to say, because I'm not trying to, again, direct it at my personal relationship, but just in general. The manipulation of children in the relationship. And I know I am guilty to an extent of this. 
where I've said things to the father of my child, not like using her as blackmail or anything, but just like, you know, saying I am the one who's raising her. I am the one who is taking care of her day in and day out. I pay for everything. Like, you know, I briefly mentioned that, that he's not contributing. And it's hard to not do that. It's hard when you are in this place of being single, like you are not together with this person. You're not together with any person. Um, that, and they're not helping you. And you know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. You should be getting that help. It's hard to not say, like, oh, well, I have her, blah, 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 blah. So, like, you should blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the manipulation of it, and that's why I was saying, you know, not in, like, a blackmail way. But it's, like, it's hard to not do that when you feel like you can't do something on your own. Whenever I feel like, whenever I'm stressed about financials, especially when it comes to paying for childcare and food and diapers and all these things, when I'm stressed about that, I feel like the first thing I want to do is say, listen here, I'm the one fucking paying for this shit. Or what, like, listen, you know, go on the defensive, be attacking about the situation when it should just be, you know, known. Like, the, the other person should just be helping. You shouldn't have to have manipulation involved. And it goes on both sides. Men do it to, the, to women, and women do it to men. Partners do it to partners, vice versa. When they're not getting what they feel like they need. And I know I had talked about this in the last uh, part of this, you know, the feeling like you're alone and having nobody, like, wanting or feeling like they should help you. It almost causes more PTSD and more trauma from the entire situation because you feel like you have to say things like that. You feel like you have to voice that you have an upper hand in order to get the other person or anyone to understand where you are and want to help you. And it's kind of sad that there's like this manipulative outcry for help from the single parent, usually, about trying to help the needs of the child, and then it gets shut down by the other person, like, oh, you just want you know, attention, or you're just, like, using her as a, a way to get mad, and it's like, no, I'm validly mad, validly frustrated, validly stressed about this, that, and the third. I shouldn't be having to say anything. That's another thing I wanted to talk about, um, was just <clears throat> sorry, I don't know what I have to stick on my throat, is just not having to beg for that help and not having to 
be manipulative almost. It kind of forces you into that position, and that sucks. It's horrible. I absolutely hate it about myself because I am, like I said, I'm guilty of this, and I have done it before. And it does make me feel like an ass because I always try and give people chance after chance after chance to do the right thing and be helpful and be good people in return. But it's hard. It does almost force your hand. It forces, being a single mom forces your hand at a lot of things. I was watching the season two finale of Ginny and Georgia. <laughs> and this has quickly become one of my favorite shows. Um, it's also been a little triggering. Um, just say the least, especially season two. But... In this season, it's it's really focused on how much pain Georgia, the mother, has had to kind of eat for her children. How much she's had to bottle up, put down, push to the side, and put up this beautiful, sparkly, shiny curtain and mask all of this pain and trauma and shit and until watching this show and kind of seeing aspects of my life be brought to a public eye I didn't think that I was really doing that but now I know that I have been wholeheartedly and it sucks because I will have these you know abusive interactions with my daughter's father and the first thing I think of is not myself it's not my relationship it's not anything it's her the first thing I think of is God if she ever has to experience anything like this I have failed I'm a failure if she dates someone like her father, I would rather us all be dead. Because, like, that is hell. That is absolute hell. And I do not wish that upon her. And it sucks feeling like you, ha you are going to do everything in your power, or you need to do everything in your power, to make sure that your children do not live the same life as you. And people say that all the time, you know, oh, I'm going to give my children a better life than I ever had. Yes, that is so true. Always do that. But holy shit, if it's more than just like financial aspect of it all, you know, like if you if you were, if you grew up poor, and you don't obviously you don't want your children to go through that experience of having you know the, the power be shut off, not having enough food, not having you know warmth, the roof of your head or anything like that. Absolutely, but it's very different from you not wanting them to experience abuse, pain, anger, manipulation, anything like that. And I know that anyone who has been through parental emotional abuse or have has seen their parents, you know, have a toxic relationship or have toxic environment around them if you grew up in a home with um, drug abusers, alcoholics, you know, you know what I'm talking about. 
and I did not expect that to be my reality, but it is. I'm having to protect her from a life she has not even begun to experience yet, but that I have, and that I never want her to experience. I never want her to experience the partying. I never want her to experience being, you know, mistreated in any way by friends, by a boyfriend, by, you know, anything, anyone. I never want her to experience that. That's basic. But when I say, and I say it with a fiery burning passion that I never want her to experience this right here, this being a single mom who has been verbally, emotionally, and mentally abused. I don't want her to see it. I don't want her to know that I am suffering the way that I am. And on some days it's worse than others, but I never want her to see this pain and it's so hard. The other day, I was crying in the car coming back from daycare. And her sweet little voice, she just, Mama. And I turn around and she sees me crying and she just starts tearing up. Now she's only, she's only 20 months old. She's not two yet. And thank fucking God. Because if she was older and she was watching this happen in the car coming home from school, she'd be traumatized. And that's what I want to avoid is I want to be able to not ever have to, like, have her experience this stuff. I need to get to a good place. And getting to a good place when you are alone and you are depressed and you have no help and you have all the things that come with being a single mom when you are in this kind of a low point, it's so hard to hide it. I want to cry all the time. I want to scream and throw things and break things and hurt myself all the time. But I never want her to see it. I don't want her to know. Especially when she's older, if I'm still in this low of a point because of whatever the reason may be. I pray to God that it does not affect her. I don't want to be a fuck-up. I don't want to fuck her up. And that's something that I've seen a lot in Ginny and Georgia this season is Georgia just being so terrified that she's fucking her children's lives up because she can't keep everything locked away in a box. Everything comes out. And one way or another, you know, and it just continues to get worse and worse and worse for her. And I am so scared of that. I, that's probably one of my most intrusive thoughts. And leading into intrusive thoughts, um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about. Damn, those get really bad when you're a parent. You know, I have these intrusive thoughts about... I have these intrusive thoughts about what her life would be like if she sees all of the bullshit that I have to go through. And if it affects her at all. You know, if it, if it affects her mentally. If she ends up being a depressed little girl. You know, I don't want that for her in the slightest. 
But some of them, some of these intrusive thoughts are a little extreme. And now I don't know, I mean, it definitely has become a completely different uh, world of intrusive thoughts since becoming a mom. A hundred percent. They've just gone to the absolute extreme. Um, I used to have intrusive thoughts randomly. Maybe about me, maybe about like my cat or my dog or something like that. Maybe about another person, a stranger in the store. I'd have really random intrusive thoughts and they were always really negative. Since becoming a mom, my intrusive thoughts are on another fucking level. Every single second that I'm away from her, and I know what she's, like, possibly doing, like, that when she gets in the car with my parents, and I drive away, or they drive away, I'm like, oh my god, what if they get in a wreck? What if her head crashes through the windshield, and she's thrown out of the front of the car across the interstate? Like, why am I, like, why do I think those things into possible existence? That's crazy to me. I never used to think things like that in my entire life, but then I became a mom, and I was like, every second that, like, I don't have full control over her whereabouts and her health, I'm literally in just, like, self-destructive, what-the-fuck-is-going-to-happen mode, and it's insane to me. It makes no sense. I don't know if it's just me, maybe I'm just truly crazy, but I know there are other moms out there who literally think the same kinds of fucked up things about what could possibly happen to their kid when they're not with them, and it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I was apartment shopping, and it was like a townhome style apartment, and I was walking up the stairs, and like I heard a little bit of a creak, which... I don't mind. I love me some old builds. I love a good creak in the floor. But immediately I was like, what if she falls through these stairs? What? What is that? What is that thought process? How is that the first thing that I think of when I am looking for a home? Like, I get it. Like, yes, you know, think, oh, maybe these stairs are a little steep. Or like, oh, there's lots of, like, nooks and crannies. Or like, Oh, there's a lot of exposed whatever, whatever. She could cut herself. Like, I get those things, but, like, what if she falls through the floor and dies is a little bit fucking extreme. Because, like, obviously she's not going to fall through the floor. Like, that's not going to happen. This apartment would not be here because they would obviously be, like, decomposing and rotting and, like, be condemned. If she was possibly going to fall through the floor. She weighs 25 pounds. Like, I'm a crazy person for thinking these things, but it has only happened since I've been a mom. And I tried to tell her dad about this one time. I tried to explain my negative thoughts. And he literally was just like, you're crazy. And you know what? I do feel crazy. I feel batshit crazy all the time. But I have a lot of PTSD and trauma, like I said. So, I don't know if that plays into the intrusive thoughts. I feel like it definitely does. That's why they're so extreme. But, you know, maybe I'll seek some professional help eventually um, when I can afford it. But, it just it, um, blew my mind how I could come to that point. 
so quickly. And so the last thing I want to talk about, um, kind of just before I close this out, I had briefly mentioned, um, I had briefly mentioned that my relationship had created a lot of problems um, and created a lot of trauma and stuff from for um, me being a mom and it's made it very difficult for me to want to be a mom. Um, and I know I talked about my mental health journey on another episode. Um, so I kind of wanted to just talk about that, the postpartum depression and the ongoing depression and problems, if you will, that have come with being a single mom. Sorry, this is hard for me to like really put into words. It's hard for me sometimes to even explain to my parents, my therapists, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard in general, but so after giving birth, I had really bad, really bad postpartum. And I talked about that a little bit, how I had this postpartum and I was, you know, losing myself having no energy, crying while I was holding her and rocking her and stuff like that. And when you're doing it alone, how hard it is, you know, I kind of talked about all this, that it's, it's really hard when your partner is just not there for you and not understanding you. It's crazy how long that can last. And I feel like I didn't really touch into this too much. And I wish that I had, so now I'm going to, is... I still feel like I am in postpartum depression and or maybe it just made my depression worst. Worst? Wow. <laughs> Can't talk. Maybe it just made my depression worse, which is possible. So, you know, I haven't been back to my OB, which I'm going to this, um, this month. Woohoo. Um, but you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to her about kind of everything and how this whole process has been going. And I know she'll probably just say that it's made my depression worse. I don't can I don't necessarily think this really is, you know, postpartum depression still in play. But it's really become a soul-crushing, freezing, like literally freezing my entire being. I feel like I can't function, incapacitating me a lot of the time. Um, I, I'm in my car again, if you can't tell, sorry. <laughs> um, I hate that, and I wish that there was like 
a happy pill, not an antidepressant, not, you know, an upper or like a Xanax, how everyone's like, I need a fucking Xanax. I wish there was just like this happy pill that just made me feel like I was worth it. Like I was worthy, like I was doing everything right, like I was a super mom. And so I wouldn't have these fears and these negative voices in my head and these intrusive thoughts making me feel like I'm not doing something right or that I'm never going to do anything right or that this bad thing might happen. Like I wish there was just like a like a happy pill that had a little voice inside of your head that said like you're doing amazing, this is correct, like you know, I don't know, I know that probably sounds crazy, just like everything else that I say probably makes me sound fucking insane, but I wish that there was just this little pill, or this little person, or this something, when you don't feel like you can tell yourself and believe it, because I would love to be able to tell myself every single day that you are doing amazing, that you are doing the right things, that you are a super mom, that she loves you, and you love her, and you're beautiful, and she's beautiful, etc., etc., and actually believe it. I wish that I could do that, but there's no way in hell that is going to happen, and it's really sad, and I really hate saying that, and I was talking to my friend because, um, the other night I was, I was not having a good night. It was a very bad emotional night for me. And I just felt so like, I just felt like a failure. And I was realizing that I'm probably never going to not feel like a failure. As me, so me and my issues, my mental health issues, as well as, as combined with whatever, however you want to say it, being a mom, and then also being single, all three of those factors, my mental health issues, being a mom, and not having a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, being single has made me feel like a triple threat failure. So if there's anyone else out there that understands, that agrees that wants to talk about it, I would love to talk, you know, to kind of keep the conversation going, keep it open on the Life 180 Instagram and talk about, you know, try to bring a community together of women who are on this same page, who are alone, who are moms, who are young and who have mental health issues because I feel like when we can't be our own supporters and our children don't understand enough to be supporters of us as well, we need a good group of people. We need people who are on our same wavelength, who understand where we're coming from and that are not an unamused third party. We need that. We need each other. And I would love to kind of keep that part of the conversation going. Um, so if you are one of those people, feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to get a group message started or create a platform with you to kind of discuss mental health as a single mom and someone who already has mental health issues and is completely alone. 
I know it's not a small group of women out there, so let's try to find each other because I would love to be a shoulder for you to cry on, an ear to listen to you, and I would love to have somebody be the same sometimes for me. But that's all. That's my part two. Just a couple things I wanted to talk about more as a single mom. Um, things that I've thought of and things that I think others are going through. Uh, thank you for listening to my part two. And I'm so excited for um, the next episode after this. I think you guys are really going to like it. But thank you. See you next week.